Well, I would like to read to you six ancient traditions and rituals we will see at King Charles III's coronation, from enthronement to the homage, by Lisa Joyner, January 14, 2023. It says, Plans for King Charles III's coronation on Saturday, the 6th of May, 2023, are well underway. From what crown King Charles will wear to Prince William's role, new ceremony details are being announced every week. At Queen Elizabeth II's coronation in 1953, the service fell into six parts. The recognition, the oath, the anointing, the investiture, which includes the crowning, the enthronement, and the homage. Are you curious to know more about coronation rituals and traditions? As the countdown begins, we take a look at what coronation traditions we can expect to see at King Charles III's coronation. Coronation Rituals Recognition During Queen Elizabeth's coronation, the first part of the ceremony was the presentation of the monarch to the people. The Archbishop of Canterbury accompanied the Lord Chancellor, the Lord Great Chamberlain, the Lord High Constable of England, and the Earl Marshal, and preceded by Garter King of Arms, presented the Queen to those in attendance. As they presented Her Majesty to those on the east, south, west, and north sides of the theater, people signified with recognition and joy, proclaiming loudly, God save Queen Elizabeth! Trumpets also sounded after each recognition. After this, the Queen then returned to her chair of estate, and the Archbishop went to the altar. It is thought King Charles's recognition will follow the same format. The next coronation ritual is oath. An important part of the coronation ceremony is the taking of the coronation oath. During the ceremony, King Charles will be required to swear an oath to uphold the law and the Church of England. The king is expected to recognize all faiths when he speaks at the coronation. And I see this as the great apostasy beginning. Following that, the new monarch will then be anointed with holy oil, receive the orb, coronation ring and scepter, and be crowned with St. Edward's crown. The oath is taken from the 1689 Coronation Oath Act, as documented on the National Archives, Queen Elizabeth II's coronation oath was as follows. I solemnly promise and swear to govern the people of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the Union of South Africa, Pakistan, and Ceylon, and all of my possessions and the other territories to any of them belonging or pertaining according to their respective laws and customs. I will to my power cause law and justice in mercy to be executed in all my judgments. I will to the utmost of my power maintain the laws of God and the true profession of the gospel. I will to the utmost of my power maintain in the United Kingdom the Protestant Reformed religion established by law and I will maintain and preserve inviolably the settlement of the Church of England and the doctrine, worship, discipline, and government thereof, as by law established in England. 
And I will preserve unto the bishops and clergy of England, and to the churches there committed to their charge, all such rights and privileges as by law do or shall appertain to them, or any of them, the things which I have here before promised, I will perform and keep, so help me God. When the queen is giving the oath, and she solemnly promises and swears to govern the people of these various countries, they could very well just include Israel in there too as one of the Commonwealth nations. That's what I think how easily it could be said in the oath. Coronation Ritual, the Anointing. Following coronation traditions, King Charles III will be anointed by the Archbishop of Canterbury. This is thought to be the most sacred part of any coronation and takes place before the investiture and crowning. The Archbishop will pour holy oil from the ampulla or vessel into the spoon and will anoint the king's hands, head, and breast. According to royal.co.uk, the sovereign will be anointed, blessed, and consecrated by the Archbishop whilst seated in King Edward's chair made in 1300 and used by every sovereign since 1626. After receiving the orb and scepters, the Archbishop will place St. Edward's crown on the king's head. Coronation Ritual, the Investiture The gift of the crown marks the formal investiture of a monarch, the first time a king or queen is dressed in their regalia. I have a huge thing about the king and his regalia in my book about Yeshua, and it's really a fantastic piece of his testimony. Um, you kind of see the glory and majesty of him as the royal sovereign of the whole world and universe. This part of the coronation will see King Charles sitting in King Edward's chair. He will be crowned by Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and the congregation will shout, God save the King! During the investiture, the new king will put on the royal robe of gold cloth and will be presented with the orb coronation ring which will be placed on the fourth finger of his right hand, the scepter and the rod, and the coronation ritual, the enthroning. This part of the coronation will see King Charles rise from the coronation chair and ascend the steps of the throne. He will be holding the sword of state. When Queen Elizabeth was crowned, a statement was declared. It read, The Queen, having come to her throne, was then lifted up into it by the archbishops, the bishops, and the other peers, who thereafter stood round about the steps of the throne, and the archbishop, standing before the Queen, pronounced the exhortation beginning with the words, Stand firm and hold fast. Then we have the coronation ritual, the homage. This is the final part of the coronation. It will see the Archbishop of Canterbury along with royal blood princes, likely to include just Prince William, the Prince of Wales, and senior peers pay homage to the new monarch. They will place their hands between the king's knees, swear an allegiance, 
touch the crown, and kiss the king's right hand. At the coronation of George V in 1911, the Prince of Wales, the future King Edward VIII, knelt before his father and recited the words, listen to this, I, Edward, Prince of Wales, do become your liege man of life and limb and of earthly worship. Hope you heard that. And faith and truth I will bear unto you to live and die against all manner of folks. So help me God. In 1953, the most senior peer present was the Duke of Edinburgh. He took off his coronet, ascended the steps of the throne, knelt before the queen, placed his hands between hers, and pronounced his words of homage. He was followed by the Dukes of Gloucester and Kent, both cousins of the Queen. When he took that word, the liege man, it means that it's concerned with or relating to the relationship between a feudal, superior, and a vassal. And the word feudal there in feudalism, it means the dominant social system in medieval Europe in which the nobility held lands from the crown in exchange for military service and vassals were in turn tenants of the nobles while the peasants, villains or serfs, were obligated to live on their lord's land and give him homage, labor and a share of the produce notionally in exchange for military protection. A vassal is a holder of land by feudal tenure on conditions of homage and allegiance. A vassal is a person or country in a subordinate position to another. A much stronger nation can also turn a weaker one into a vassal state. The other word they used was villain, and, and it means in medieval England, a feudal tenant entirely subject to a lord or manor to whom he paid dues and services in return for land. So you can see how the monarchy really is associated with the English words letteth and let as a type of land lease to... Um, this kind of relationship between a feudal superior and a vassal. So remember I was telling you that when Solomon took David's throne, he had made the comment in scriptures that he wasn't just taking his father's throne, David's throne, but it was actually the throne of the Lord that he was sitting on. And with that idea of King Charles III sitting above Jacob's pillow stone and Jacob is Israel. I was telling you how I could see that between that and him having the circumcision and being very big friends with Sir Rabbi Ephraim Mervis and Rabbi David Rosen, both of which were knighted, and Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. You can see how this sets up for them to accept him as a king. All they would have to do was put Israel in there in the oath. Will they do that? I don't know. And 
I should explain, too, that I don't necessarily believe that on Coronation Day that Charles is going to become the king of Israel, but I do believe they're going to see him as the anointed one, as their Messiah, and accept him on the throne of David, either through that coronation or sometime later. And I just want to explain that to be very clear. But when Edward, Prince of Wales, made that statement, I, Edward, Prince of Wales, do become your liege man of life and limb. And he said, and of earthly worship and faith and truth. I will bear unto you to live and die against all manner of folks, so help me God. So he is basically saying there, he's the object of earthly worship as the sovereign king. So that really kind of sets it up for um, him sitting on the throne as the king, the last king that Israel will have that's an earthly king before Jesus comes and takes the reins eternally and takes his rightful throne of David. Um, this thing about earthly worship by Edward, Prince of Wales, is really something. So that's something he said at his coronation. Now, because the prophet Daniel, who was the prince of Judah, because he told us that a beast is a king, we're not looking at some ghastly-looking creature. We're looking at a king. And in Revelation 13:15, it says, The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast, so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. And one of the things that I told you about my dream with the royal cipher is realizing that not only was the 666 encoded in the king's crown, basically the king's royal cipher, sometimes it's just his crown, his title, his name, and his number. But many times it's his title, his crown, his name, his number, and his image. So this image will be incorporated in the royal cipher many times like you'll see it on the coins and the paper money and his image will be on there you know telling you that it's just like the dollar bill on having the president's image on it so it doesn't take any stretch of the imagination to figure out if a beast is a king then um Anyone who refuses to bow down to this beast image will be killed. I still think that that mark of the beast is the royal cipher, which only came out after the queen died. And that's when I fully understood my dream. And, you know, the cipher means zero. And King Charles III has tried to get his carbon footprint down to net zero and the carbon for climate change is 666 so that is their agenda but the image of the king can be on the mark because it's part of the royal cipher
And of course, we know about the wing statue of Charles as savior of the world that was given to him by the people in the Amazon rainforest for conservation and all of that, trying to save the planet. So anybody that will not worship the image of the beast, and if the beast is a king, then they're not worshiping the image of the king. It all falls into place. And so now I've just showed you the elements of the coronation ceremony and that comment of Edward VIII saying that, you know, he's the object of earthly worship shows you how that scripture can come to pass of the false messiah being worshipped. So quite literally, according to Daniel, quite literally in Revelation 16:2, when it says, The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and ugly festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast, which is a king, and worshipped its image. So the mark of the king and worshipped its image. And another translation actually says, So the first angel left the temple and poured out his bowl on the earth, and horrible malignant sores broke out on everyone who had the mark of the king, or beast, and who worshipped his statue. So now we're kind of getting a clue that this is going to be an image of the king. And that image is on the royal cipher. And that's what I told you I thought from my dream the mark of the beast was going to be the king's royal cipher and it's pretty clear when you start realizing that um, when you when you see the word beast you put the word king so the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the king the beast and those who worshiped his image it was the ancient monarchy of Israel, the head of state, that had the wound in the head by a sword and yet lived because that monarchy is going to be restored and I've talked about this in the last few videos. And so I believe that this is part of the monarchy being restored and them putting one last earthly king on David's throne and because they have rejected God as their king as their Yeshua we see here in Daniel 7 thus he said the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth so a beast is a king and his kingdom because before you get to that verse, it says, Daniel's visions interpreted. And Daniel said in Daniel 7.15, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth but the saints of the most high shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever even forever and ever so Daniel's telling us 
that these great beasts are kings and the kingdom that that king rules. So when Daniel's book is unsealed in the book of Revelation, then we have um, basically the first beast and second beast, and these are two kings and kingdoms. I believe it's the old kingdom restored from the deadly wound in the head, the head of state of the ancient monarchy, and restoring the throne of David and putting one last earthly king on it. So anyway, I hope I described that as good as I could, so hopefully it was understandable. I didn't want to make this too long. I just wanted to share what's going on in the coronation ceremony and that Edward VIII actually made that comment in his oath about being the object of earthly worship and seeing how the image of the beast is the image of the king which is on the royal cipher. So there you have it all tied up in a little bow <laughs> and presented to you. So anyway it all falls into place the ancient monarchy is resurrected back to life after having the deadly wound in the head by a sword and lived. And the monarchy comes back and Israel goes through the seven-year time of Jacob's trouble until they acknowledge their king and that he is Yeshua, God, their salvation. So that's the way it's going to go down.